Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And normally I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia, but today I am traveling and Dominique isn't with me, but I'm with a very great friend of mine, Manda Scott. And Manda, you wear many hats. I'm not quite sure how to introduce you. You trained originally as a veterinarian. I did. And then you took a side journey into writing historical novels and crime fiction. And people are thinking, what has this got to do with horses? And it turns out everything. And you do the most amazing dreaming workshops and the shamanic work. I'm visiting you for, been visiting for the last couple of days. And when you picked me up from the train station, we immediately fell into conversation. And the first thing that you were talking about was the work that's being done to identify all the microbes in the gut of the horses. And that I found really fascinating. So we want to talk about that. And we definitely want to talk about the sustainable horse farms because you've also recently bought a small holding and you're setting up your horse pastures, your whole horse management in a way that is so intelligent and that is really where you want to be a good caretaker of the land. And then also there is the whole the bigger picture of what is occurring today in the world. So yeah. what part of all of that do you want to, to bite off first? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. This is one of my favorite podcasts and it's an honor to be here. Um, so I think I would like to start with the big picture and narrow in. And so that would be starting with the fact that we're in the middle of the sixth mass extinction. The background rate of extinction of species is one every 700 years. And at the current rate, depending on who you read, we're losing one a day or one an hour. And this is not a sustainable way to behave. No. And, and it is us. There's no point now in pretending that this is not a human created problem. It is. And so if I take that as my starting point, And if the focus of my spirituality, of my dreaming, which is the focus of my life and everything grows from that, is about building connections with the world in a way that matters and in a way that feels real, then it also matters that I do whatever I can do to help to slow down the rate of extinction and then hopefully to increase biodiversity even only in my little bit of land. And with a a tiny bit of context, in the midst of my, I was a horse vet, that's one of the key things. And then when I became a writer, I was able to get my own ponies. And that's how I met Alex, you. Right. Because I I started clicker training and I wanted to know more. And you you were and are the, the key person in clicker training for horses. And so you come and learn from the best and you are the best. Um, But in the middle of all that, I went off to do a master's degree in sustainable economics because it seemed to me that if we can't sort out where our value lies, then we're not going to sort out 
all of the chaos that we are creating and that only by telling ourselves different stories about what is valuable, different stories about what human success means, different stories about our relationships with ourselves, with our horses, with the world that we live in, are we going to be able to step forward into something new? And so we've been teaching an energy workshop this weekend and I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit. But absolutely, at the core of everything, I believe that evolution happens on a planetary level when any species is under pressure. We are under catastrophic pressure at the moment. And so it seems likely that we're at that funneling point where an evolutionary step might happen. I believe that we have the capacity to make that evolutionary step conscious, but that we will not make it from their current mindset. No problem is solved from the mindset that created it. If we can change our mindset, if we can change our minds, because we are the species that can change how we think. Whenever we're doing the clicker training, what we're doing partly is rewiring our own and our horses or our dogs, I clicker train my dog, their emotional and biochemical and physiological structures. We have the capacity by changing our intent to change the physiology of the way that our heads are wired. And if we can do that, if we can do it with clear intent, if we can do it by asking for the help that we need to help to, to get, which is what shamanic practice is all about, contemporary shamanic practice, if we can do that cleanly and clearly in time, then we can make the next evolutionary step. And the whole of my being at the moment is pushing towards that. And as part of that, my partner and I were very, very lucky to find a small holding that had crashed in price for various reasons um, to a price we could afford. To be able to get here, we've got 13 acres. We've got 10 acres of very old pasture that really hasn't had much done to it because it's quite steep. And so I'm trying to restore that to a level of biodiversity that the old pastures were in this land hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. And there's, there's 0.9 of a hectare left in Britain, in England wow. anyway, of really old pasture, 0.9 of a hectare. And we have, we, we had some people come and look last year, we have 58 different species on our 10 acres. This old, old pasture has 60 different species per square meter. Wow. It's, it's so much more biodiverse. And this is what our horses evolved to live on. Because that was going to be my question of, so what? And, and the, the so what, I think so many people today absolutely know the answer to that because they're living the nightmare of horses that are being made sick by eating grass. Because they're eating monocultures. Which is crazy, because yeah. they're a grass eater. They're a grass eater. And this is, this is why it's important, because the very pastures that they're supposed to be able to graze over are making them sick and it, they should be healthy, not, yeah. not and, and laminitic. We have an epidemic of laminitis and Cushing's and ICR and all of those things. When I was a vet, when I was training a very long time ago, um, we, you know, we saw the occasional laminitis, but we didn't have, I, I don't think I saw Cushing's in the entirety of my training. And now so many people have horses with Cushing's and it's not just that we're better at diagnosing it, it's that what we're doing with our management, we have become very, very good at creating monocultures and it's destroying us, 
it's our gut biomes are not healthy. I, I was told something the other day that we ought, we as humans should be trying to eat 40 to 60 different plant species per week. And I would struggle to name 40 yes. to 60 different yes. plant species. Yes. Never mind find them to eat. I f- I'm foraging in our hedgerows now and, and eating anything that I think might be safe just to see what happens really, to get that level of my own biodiversity. But our horses should be having, they should be browsing, they should be traveling long distances to find things to eat. They So we take our ponies on foraging walks now because we're very lucky that our verges and the hedgerows are not sprayed or treated um, and, and we can take them out and let them select and see what they want to eat and see if they can get you know, a good few dozen different species in. But if we could grow land that has 60 different species per square metre, I think our ponies would be so much healthier. And this, this was one of the things that we talked about on that trip back from the station. Yes. Was the equine gut biome and the fact that the technology exists now. Um, and there's a lady in, in Britain doing it. And I think she's getting samples from all around the world. Um, to measure the bacteria in a horse's gut. So you send in a faecal sample and it's processed and and this extraordinary multi-million pound machine then spews out a readout of the DNA of every single bacterium in that faecal sample. So providing you've got a representative sample, you know the array of bacteria in your horse's guts at the moment that sample was taken. And so the question then is, what's normal? Right. And how do we change it? And, and so I've got that information. Yeah, what do I do, what do I do what with do it? I do with it? What does it tell me? And so we're in the very early days of this. And I think it's worth looking at. So when they realized they could do this, the, the woman who's involved in it was quite involved in the racing industry in Newmarket. So they, they did 90 racehorses for free, which so that gave them a baseline of a very particular population that has adapted to living in really not very species appropriate conditions but they are very you know thoroughbreds are actually remarkably well adapted to racing stable environments so that's one population they took a population in portugal from um, a very well-known horse behaviorist called lucy reese they have samples from hers and they have samples from a little group called the carnedi who are 250 wild ponies who live on 40,000 acres of the mountains of Wales and they've they are also very specially adapted to their environment so we have three sets of horses in different environments the, the ones in Portugal are eating a very species appropriate diet much more like the old very biodiverse diet that we have here and the ones on the side of Snowdon are eating probably what ponies in Britain evolved to eat since the last ice age. So that's, you know, as good as it gets over here. So we have these three very diverse populations to look at. And then we have the populations of horses whose owners are sending samples in. And it's not cheap. It's £150 for the first sample and £125 for a retest. So this is not an insignificant investment. But we're beginning to get an idea of the balance of microbes that are there in healthy horses and what it looks like in unhealthy horses or in horses that have just been given antibiotics which completely messes up their gut biome or in horses that have just had chemical wormers which doesn't do happy things to the gut biome either and so if i've got this information and suppose i've sent my sample in my horse is 
doing whatever it's doing. Let's say, let's say it's got Cushing's or behavioral issues. I went to a workshop about this and of the 10 people there, I think seven had already had samples tested and one lady had got an event horse that she'd bought for her daughter to ride. They got it home. They had eight horses. This horse went into complete emotional meltdown if any one of the eight horses was moved out of its sight and it was unrideable. She was no way she was going to let her daughter go eventing on this horse. They sent off the sample. They got the results back. Um, They began to address the imbalances in the bacterial species in the gut and, and the way to do that is to start feeding botanical extracts. If you can't get to a very species diverse pasture, you can feed botanical extracts that are sourced from very diverse organic pastures. And within a few weeks, this horse no longer had the separation anxieties that it had had, and she was letting her daughter event it. And I think, you know, most parents, I think people ride things that are probably not safe, but they don't let their children ride things right. that they don't think are safe on the whole. So I was really impressed. I was really impressed by the diversity of people whose horses had been tested and the changes that they were seeing. And, and as with a lot of these things that are new and on the edges, they had tried so many other things first. This right. was the last resort. And they weren't behaviorists. You know, it's possible that with clicker training, we could have sorted this horse's or behavioral not, issues. Because if not. the... If the I mean, that's one of the great frustrations. There's some of these issues with individual horses where that are so resistant to change. And one of the reasons that they're resistant to change is it's not really a behavior problem. It's, there's, a, there's something physically wrong with the horse. There's some physical issue or there's something wrong in the management. So if the gut biome is so far off that it is causing this kind of this level of emotional distress you could train till you're blue in the face and not really resolve the problem yeah so so in a holistic way it gives us another tool in our holistic toolbox we can look at the horse behaviorally we can look at it physically we can get a chiropractor to check its back we can check its feet we can do all of the things from a veterinary physical perspective we can look at it emotionally with our clicker training toolbox but now we have another tool in the toolbox to just look at and and what we're realizing is monocultures are not healthy they're not healthy for people they're not healthy for horses and one of the things that we talked about again on our trip back from the station was that for various reasons my partner and I have shifted on to what's called a paleo-ketogenic diet. We don't need to go into the details why, but for the first month of that, when I was shifting off grains and carbohydrates, I was so crabby. And, you know, I meditate for an hour and a half every day. I try and teach spiritual stuff. On the whole, I'm relatively good at monitoring my own internal state and finding a sense of balance, but I was seriously cross for a month. And it made me really realize that, you know, a lot of these horses... If their gut biome is out of balance, maybe they've moved yards. And it's not necessarily that it's imbalanced in terms of how a normal horse should be, but it's just changed the balance because the feeding... And we always say change feeding gradually, but I had never really taken on board the extent to which one type of grass is radically different. It, you know, It's a different pH, or it's got different root length, or it's got a different iron content, or a different salt content. And it can be even the same species of grass. And the soil 
microbes will be different and therefore right. the horse's right. gut biome will be different. And it's not surprising that they're not, they don't feel balanced because they're not balanced. So this gives us another way to balance them out. And I think the one of the other takeaways that I took away was when we spray things, if we put pesticides anywhere near the stuff that our horse eats, we are doing very bad things to their biome because the point of pesticides is that it kills things. And we want our horses to be eating grass and the soil that they take in with it that's full of life. And soil should be full of life. So heading back to our bigger picture, one of the other things that really we're trying to do here in terms of sustainable horsemanship is to bring ourselves into a place where we become soil farmers, where we are growing the soil, where we are using our horses as part of a regenerative system to increase the soil biome, therefore increase the depth of soil, and that draws carbon in. And if we get it right, we could become carbon negative. We could become somewhere where we're taking more carbon into the soil than we are putting out even with our 21st century Western lifestyle. And this is, I think this is one of the things that I find really exciting. There's a, a gentleman in New Mexico, I think, David Johnson, the originator of the Johnson Sioux Biodigester, which is a whole other little avenue we could go down. It's so <laughs> exciting, but not for now. Um, but David Johnson reckons that if 40% of the surface area of the planet that is currently being intensively farmed were to be farmed in a regenerative style, which is to say you're farming in a way that draws in carbon and you're still producing just as much in terms of food, if not better, you're producing what to us certainly seems to be much healthier food, we would be back to pre-industrial levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere within 10 years. Wow. We have wow. the answer. And we're just not doing it because we hold a narrative that says we have to have monocultures because it's the only way to feed a rising population. And it's not true. You know, this is fundamentally and demonstrably untrue. If anyone listening is really interested in this, there's a relatively new book out this last couple of months called Dirt to Soil by a man called Gabe Brown, who is American, and he was an industrial intensive farmer, and now he farms regeneratively. And it's a really nicely written, very easy read, you can read it in an evening, book that describes his transition, his journey from being a hardcore intensive monoculture farmer to understanding how polycultures and regenerative farming are just so much more satisfying and so much more more productive. And, and I'm thinking of the thousands upon thousands of people who own horses and who have their horses at home on small holdings. And if we all started to really learn how to manage the acreage that we have in this sustainable way, yeah. that the ripple effect of that knowledge and understanding, these little seeds planted everywhere that there are horses, yeah. that would be astounding, absolutely astounding. Goosebumps. Yeah, it would be so, transformative. So what I want to, so I'm seeing some of what you're doing here. So let's talk, you've, you've been to my barn, you've seen the acreage, that we have, and you've been to other farms, and you know what you're doing here and what is 
readily doable, what's going to be easy, what's going to be hard. I've got a horse farm. How do I go about managing my land in a more sustainable way in where I'm going to grow the soil? Where do I begin? Okay. How do I go about it? I hope this is a cliffhanger that leaves you wanting answers. How can we make a difference? What can we do that will help our horses to be healthier and at the same time help on a larger scale with the problem of climate change? Manda is providing us with so much hope. Think of the many tens of thousands of people who own horses and who have their horses at home on small holdings. If we all learned how to manage the acreage that we have in a sustainable way, the ripple effect of that knowledge and understanding would create huge change. It would be like little seeds of change planted everywhere that there are horses. The effect would be astounding. It would be transformative. In the next podcast, we're going to look at some solutions. Here's a sneak preview from Manda. She reminds us that soil is fungi, bacteria, and minerals. That's what soil is. Fungi and bacteria have carbon-based cell walls. So in the process of building, building, building the soil depth, we are drawing carbon into the land. If we get the soil biome right, the bacteria from the soil will draw in extra carbon and they'll use it to create their cell structures. It's all there. We have the answers. It's just that we've managed to kick things out of balance. So these natural systems aren't working the way that they need to. But we can bring this back. We can increase the biodiversity in our own backyards and pastures. We have to. We can't keep losing species at the current rate. The great thing is, it's a win-win situation. Our horses become healthier, even as we are sequestering carbon in our pastures. Imagine if everyone who listens to this podcast were able to do this with their land. Stop spraying, increase the biodiversity, get the roots down and the minerals up. It starts with horse people because we have land. We have the ability to make choices and we care about our horses. We want the best for them. For so many years, we've been taught that bright green grass, all very neat, all looking the same, is the best for our horses. Now with this equine biome system that Amanda described, we can actually see what is going on in our horse's gut biome. It gives us another tool to look at what might be out of balance. Measuring our horse's gut biome is still in its infancy. We have a lot of data collecting to do to know what horses need to be healthy. But we can learn fast. We have to. We've put the planet on a collision course with disaster. Horse people can help to stop that collision from happening. We can help to bring balance out of imbalance. The way that many of us are currently managing our pastures, we can do better. And that's what we're going to be exploring in the next podcast. Dominique and I don't want this to be just a podcast you listen to and then it's back to business as usual. This podcast is a call to action. 
horse people can make a difference. We just need to know what to do. So we are joining with Manda and others to create some resources for you. The first is a Facebook group, Horses for Future. This is a gathering place for people who want to make a difference for their horses, a difference for the planet. It's an open group. We want to share ideas. What books, articles, podcasts are each of you finding? Let's share the information so we can all become better soil farmers. That's one of the ways that we can change the world. What is working for you on your land? Let's share our successes. You never know. Your solution may spark an idea that helps someone else create a better solution for their own horses. So Horses for Future is our gathering point. Every week we'll have projects we can do together that will help us all learn. Manda talked about increasing biodiversity of our pastures and hedgerows. Do you know how to do that? Do you know what plant species might be toxic to your horses? Which ones would be beneficial? What trees and shrubs grow well in your area and can help to create nesting areas for birds and provide flowers for pollinators? We'll be bringing in experts who can help us all learn together. Horses for Future will be a learning center that we grow together. In addition, we have started a website, sequestercarbon.com. Here we'll be building up an archive of resources, articles and links to books, audio recordings, webinars, and other resources. If we want to make a difference, we need to know how. So this site will be one to visit on a regular basis. If you find useful information, do please send us the links and we'll get them added to the website. Again, that's sequestercarbon.com. All of this is in its infancy. It's exciting because it is hopeful. The news these days can be so overwhelming. Every day you hear another new statistic. The ice caps are melting faster than anyone expected. The past several summers have been the hottest on record. I just heard about a survey of bird populations that indicate that we're missing over a billion birds. That's billion with a B. We're losing bees and bats, which means we're losing the pollinators for our crops. The grim news just goes on and on. It can feel as though our actions couldn't possibly make a difference. Things are so overwhelming, it can seem as though there's nothing any of us can do to make a difference. But there is. There are so many of us who have horses. When each of us becomes better soil farmers, collectively we can. We will make a difference. So let's get started. This past weekend, I was with the most amazing group of horse people. We wanted to be part of the global strike for climate change that was held on Friday, September 20th, 2019. But we were a long way away from any of the large gatherings. We wanted to do something to show our support. So we founded Horses for Future. Horses for Future supports the Fridays for Future initiatives. We want to take meaningful action that will help to reverse climate change. So every Monday, through the Horses for Future Facebook group, we're going to announce a project for the week. 
This will be something everyone can participate in, whether you have your own land or you board your horses, or you don't even have any horses. Whether you are six years old or 60, these are projects we can all share in. Through the Horses for Future Facebook group, we're going to be sharing resources and ideas. And each Friday, we're going to celebrate our successes. These are actions that taken together will make a difference. For thousands of years, horses have been intimately woven into our history. Riding on their backs, we have spread out over the planet. We have used them to ride to war. We have used them to pull plows. Now let us enter into a new relationship with horses, one that works in fellowship with them to create a healthy planet. Join us this coming Monday, September 30th, for our first Horses for Future project. You'll find us on Facebook. And next week, we'll have part two of the Equiosity podcast with Manda's interview. Join us and help change the planet.